Hello and welcome to Seagulls Weekly. Uh, I'm joined this week live and in the flesh by Ian Hine. No upside down views online this week. And of course Steve Bailey's here as usual. Uh, I can't think what we might talk about this week. Why don't we start with the small matter of taking six points off Crystal Palace this season. Uh, what did you make of the game as a whole? I don't know who wants to start, Ian. What did you um, think? Generally, what a time to be alive. Um, I, it was... I, I guess the classic away performance really mm. wasn't it I mean we, we didn't have a, what did we have 37% possession um, we, we made the most of what we had because three out of four of our shots were on target um, I was saying to Steve just now the Murray's goal was as far as I can remember pretty much the first time we got into their half yep. so um, yeah it was a it was a classic away performance but we had to rely on Majestic, mm-hmm. Lewis Dunk, I think, and well, Duncan Duffy obviously were, were brilliant, but yeah, great and superb away performance, and uh, yeah, fantastic, brilliant. Yeah. Steve, what did you think? Yeah, it was. It probably wasn't the greatest game as a spectacle, <laughs> um, like if you if you were neutral, but in terms of like Ian said, in terms of how Brighton played, it you know the win over Huddersfield the previous week was massive just for confidence and everything. And I think the majority of Brighton fans I've spoken to before the game, everyone was like, you take a point. Definitely take a point at Palace. Um, and, you know, to come away with all three, you know, and with a worldy winner, well, two worldy <laughs> goals really, weren't they? Um, you know, it, it was absolutely great. Um, I thought Brighton played very well. You restricted Palace's chances massively. Um, you know, in the talk beforehand, it was Palace a really, really good counter-attacking team. And I think you could probably count on one hand the amount of opportunities they had to counter-attack because um, of the way Brighton set up, the way they defended. Um, but 2-1, I can't really remember Palace having any chance to equalise, no. which just summed up how well Brighton defended, um, especially from set pieces, the amount of, I think Palace had quite a few corners and free kicks in both halves and, you know, everyone seemed to go on Duffy or Duck's head and just cleared and you know, I thought it was a real good performance and sets us up nicely for the rest of the season. Yeah, well, you say about Matt Ryan not necessarily having a lot to do. Both teams only had three mm. shots on target. But the the big talking point straight away was 20, what, 20 odd seconds mm. into the game. When it's a derby fixture, you think this could be a feisty one. You want big tackles. Mm-hmm. We got that straight away with Anthony Knockhart. Would you, if you were a referee, have sent him off for that? Yes, <laughs> I think so. Um, it. It's probably hard with the referee's angle, with how we saw it. Um, we probably only thought, yeah, that should have been red, having seen a couple of replays, and it was the angle where you saw how high his boot was, it studs up, where it caught Milojevic. Um, but at the same time, you know, if Knockout got there a fraction later, he'd have been the one fouled, and it might have been the other way around. I think if VAR was in place... Would it have been a red card? I think it. I think it might have been. Uh, I know Dermot Gallagher on Ref Watch on Sky Sports this week was saying that he thought the yellow card was right, but I think a lot of refs would have seen the replay, seen how Knockout caught Milanovic, and I think he, he might have been retrospectively like you know given a red card with VAR and you know playing 90 minutes against your arch rivals with 10 men would have been a real mountain to climb. That would have been a big ask, wouldn't it? <laughs> I think so. I mean, how long were we down to 10 men in the home fixture? Mm-hmm. Half and a bit, wasn't it? Yeah. But 
I, I think if, it, if that tackle had happened half an hour into the game, yeah, I think it probably would have been a red card. But I think the referee possibly took into account that it was only 20 seconds in. It wasn't a real thundering, mm-hmm. all guns blazing, yeah. crunching challenge. It was almost kind of a slow motion type thing. It did look 10 times worse on the slow mo yeah. replays yeah. than it did in the flesh. But um, no, I wouldn't have sent yeah. <laughs> Giving him a medal. Yeah. <laughs> well, from where we were in the press box, I, I thought it was... It, so I was fearing the worst. Yeah. Um, Neil Humphrey's watching. Hello, Neil. Uh, he says, no way both sp- both players slid in 50-50. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of goes along with what Knockhart said afterwards because yeah. when he spoke to referee, he said that if he got the ball first, it would have been uh, Luka... I can never say his name properly. Le- Milejevic. Uh, we'll go with that. Um, was that he would have been booked instead. So... Yeah. And Roy Hodgson said it was a winger's tackle, the kind of just both trying to make an impact yeah. on each other. He certainly, he, it was certainly a strong tackle, but he he did go on to leave another mark on the game. But before we get to that... I think uh, just going back to that, I think it just highlights how difficult the referee's job is. Yeah. You know, they've got to make a split-second decision on, on something like that. And and it's such a difficult, this, this whole studs-up, thing that we have in the game now it's such a difficult thing because if you're going in for a tackle you've got to put your foot like that to a certain extent and there's a fine line between is it dangerous up like that or not so dangerous down there so it's it's difficult yeah and also we've seen knockout play for what three years now Brian and you know you know you, you get people saying he's not that type of player but he genuinely isn't is he he's he's not someone who goes in for many tackles and it was slightly mistimed um but yeah. I, I still think it could have been. I think it could have been red. Yeah. But I also can see why it was only a booking because mm. I think Milojevic as well was possibly lucky that he didn't get booked at the same time because they both went in yeah. and it was just a case of knockout got there or caught him just before he could catch him. His recent performances, he's been like proper manic, hasn't yeah. he? Knockout, he's <laughs> yeah. been just charging yeah. around everywhere. And again, you know, something that maybe gets taken into account. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, we, we've seen what knockout looks like when he's deliberately lunging in. We saw that against Everton, the two foot off the yeah. ground. It wasn't one of those. It was yeah. a legitimate attempt yeah. to get the ball. Yeah, uh, Gary Watson is watching. Hello, Gary. He also says uh, 50-50, so it shouldn't have been sent off. Um, but yeah, before we get to his later impacts, uh, Glenn Murray wasn't meant to start. Last week, we said we would start Florian Andone. Uh, Chris Hutton had the same idea, but then last minute in the warm-up, uh, it, it looked fine when he walked off mm-hmm. the pitch, but obviously something was wrong with his quad or his groin. Uh, late change, Murray comes in, there's a bit of a buzz around the stadium and press boxes, everyone's trying to see who's on the bench, who's starting. Uh, not, the worst, not the worst performance for someone who's come in so late, is it? <laughs> no. I, it's what we've come to expect of Glenn Murray across his spells at the club and I mean it was it was brilliant to come in and have to adjust his mindset from being on the bench to playing mm-hmm. immediately and then sort yeah. of 20 minutes later have the confidence to take the shot on pretty early like mm-hmm. he did because I'm, I'm pretty sure Andoni would have taken it on mm-hmm. a few more yards yeah. than that and try and sort of just driven it in at the near post perhaps but yeah amazing how, how difficult was that goal because I think 
it's been overlooked slightly because of what happened later. Yeah. But that was quite a strike. Well, it's a real, real hard finish as someone who plays Sunday morning football. <laughs> I, I, if I tried that, yeah. it'd be going into the trees behind the goal. Um, yeah, it was a real, real quality finish. Yeah. Um, to, to get that angle on the ball and the dip and everything like that to, to beat, you know, a decent Premier League keeper mm. um, who didn't even get near the shot. Yeah. It was quite windy as well. Yeah. Wasn't it? yeah. So, I mean, it must have oh, been yeah. rolling around and... Well, Tonkin's completely lost it in the wind. Yeah, well, yeah, Jürgen Klopp would have hated it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you say Sunday morning. I've done that before, but in the wrong goal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, who, who, because obviously Murray came in late mm. and had quite a big contribution. Who were like the unsung heroes of that performance? Because obviously Murray and Knockhart have mm. taken the headlines, but who stood out as sort of behind the scenes giving Brighton oh, that well, win? Um, Daryl Stevens was absolutely outstanding in the middle of the park. Um, he kept the ball with just simple passes, and you know there's a couple of real quality long long balls um, out to the wings, and you know one of them led to Knockout's winner, where you know Knockout still had a lot of work to do, but you know Stevens ball out there that, that set it all up. Um, you know I, I think you pretty much say we say the same every week. Duncan Duffy again, yeah. outstanding defence. Um, I think those those were the three who I'd I'd pinpoint. But I also say. But Montoya on a booking for a lot, vast yeah. majority of the game, you know, Zaha in the second half, you can't really remember him actually doing anything, which, you know, suggests that Montoya's had a really, really good game. Um, and on the other wing as well, I think Bernardo, um, mm. Bernardo had a real good, good, yeah. um, good performance. So I think the back four yeah. and Stevens were the focal point in, in getting the win. Yeah. Stevens yeah. for me, 100%. I think it's all very well. Duncan Duffy making these incredible lunging challenges and blocks, but Dale Stevens is the guy who has to tidy all that up and then get the ball under control and then pass it out to whoever. And he also is in front of the back four or three to stop the ball getting to players like Zaha. And he's he's just brilliant. I I cannot understand the stick he sometimes gets on social media, to be honest, because it... Well, I can understand it. It's because of the question you asked, yeah. unsung hero. Yeah. And unsung heroes never really get the recognition yeah. they deserve. I think it's, but... it's because he doesn't go and bang them in from 30 yards, 40 <laughs> yards, isn't it? It's, he, go, he goes about his business quietly, yeah. does his job for the team. As long as he pings 30-yard passes like yeah, that, exactly. one, yeah. goal, then, then we're happy, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. yeah. Um, Jan Bash started. We thought March would get mm-hmm. a nod for his defensive work. Did he, did he justify that, did you think? I thought he did all right. Yeah, I mean, we talk loads in in this about Hughton needing his players to step up defensively, particularly the wide players. And, and, yeah, I think he did nothing too spectacular. I still think he lacks... He's not quite up to the pace of the game in this country. I mean, hopefully we'll see that, hopefully towards the end of the season and into next season. But... Yeah, he did. He did okay, but bearing in mind what we do know about Solly March, yeah. how brilliant it is for him to be able to come on yeah. towards the end of a game like that when we need to close it out. Well, exactly. Uh, Gary Watson says Dale was amazing. He marshaled the midfield, and what a ball to Nocky. Well, let's let's talk about that goal, shall we? Um, what like firstly, who's going to win goal of the season? Andone against Palace or Knockout against Palace? <laughs> It's a real, real tough one, isn't it? You can make arguments for both goals. I think yeah. Knockarts was a moment of individual brilliance where he cut in, you know, steadied himself and then curled it into the top corner. Like, no goalie in the world would have saved that. 
but Andoni's because of the the moment it came in two new up against your arch rivals on the stroke of half time. Um, it just came out of nothing, Andonis, didn't it? Like he had no right yeah. to get near the goal, let alone to score. And I know Tompkins made a little bit of a hash of it at the end <laughs> for Andoni's goal, but oh, I, if I was picking, I would say Andoni's just. But it's like a fifty-one percent to forty-nine call. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Tompkins for player of the season. <laughs> <laughs> two, yeah, two, two games. Two, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, no, I I think in terms of the context of the of the games, knock up just for me, and the fact that Andoni did get a little bit of good mm-hmm. fortune with the book on the edge of the yeah. six yard box for his goal. But uh, yeah, what a strike! Yeah, what a strike! Um, fun fact about the goals: Glenn Murray has scored four goals against Crystal Palace since the start of 2017-2018. Uh, Christian Benteke has only scored three goals for Palace in that time. <laughs> well, before we went. We sat and went to our press seats, didn't we? And we yeah. were chatting to one of the stewards there, and he was—he <laughs> wasn't the most complimentary about Christian Benteke. And although he did tell us to, that Palace's defence has been very solid, which you know it might have been for much of the season, but luckily they, they had a bit of an off day again. There's a couple of hilarious vlogs <laughs> yeah. going around on the internet, and both of those guys absolutely slaughter Benteke. I mean, he's of, he's. He's completely bereft of any confidence, yeah. I think. Well, he, he hasn't looked like a good player since no. he left Villa. So no. he's been to Liverpool, now he's at Palace, and he hasn't really done anything. Um, yeah, but Stewart did not like Christian Bendeke. No. He was very vocal for quite a long time <laughs> yes. about that. Uh, what this does mean, other than beating Palace, and in case you missed it, taking six points off of them this year. How many? Uh, six, six, I think, yeah. Oh. Um, that's also an away win. Like, Considering we keep focusing on the home games, mm-hmm. how big is that as a step towards safety this season? Uh, huge for me. Um, obviously, I know we're going to talk about the other results in a bit, but it, massive for me because you didn't really expect Cardiff. Mm. Um, who else won on Saturday? Pretty much everyone won, it felt like. Yeah. With those three results as well, it shows how crucial that that win was for us, and we're not we're not a million miles away. I don't think in terms of our way we could we should have beaten Fulham. We should have beaten yeah. West Ham as well. So that's another couple. But yeah, we need to we need to consistently close out games like that. Yes, yeah, I think I think if Brighton beat Cardiff, that 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 would be enough. I, I can't see Cardiff getting nine points from their other what would it be seven games. Um, they've still got to play Burnley as well, haven't they? Yeah, they've, they've got some tough games yeah. coming up. And you know, you look at Brighton's next games. Well, I think if Brighton six points will probably be enough um, to stay up. You look at the games they've got: Southampton, Cardiff, Bournemouth, Newcastle at home. Hmm. Uh, there's enough games there that, that Brighton can get the points they need. Well, if you're saying six points, it's I don't think it's officially been confirmed, but if Cardiff are to be believed, mm-hmm. well, after Millwall, we'll have Southampton and Cardiff back to back in the league. So, are you basically saying that? If things go well there, we will effectively be safe by, what would that be, the end of the month, pretty much? I think so. I think if Brighton beat Southampton and Cardiff, then, yeah, I, what would that be, 39 points? Uh, yes, that would be yeah, 39. Um, I can't see Cardiff no. getting 40, because if they if they get to 39, their goal difference is so so much worse than Brighton's mm-hmm. that, that, you know, they're still not going to overtake them. And, yeah, um, I, think that, I think 39 will be more than enough. Yeah, do you agree with that? I know you'd love I, to see Southampton go down. 
<laughs> as our man in on, Southampton on, territory. On, on social media, I think I would weep with joy if Southampton <laughs> went down, but maybe maybe not. Um, no, I think 39, I think, will be easy. What do they, what do they say? The average points is like 36 and a yeah, half, something like yeah. that, isn't it? 39, I think, will be will be more than enough. But um, I, I just hope we don't completely... We've got an, a bit of an annoying habit of mm. just stopping playing. <laughs> mm. Like when we went up a couple of seasons ago, we yeah. stopped after the Wigan game. Yeah. Understandably. <laughs> One too many nights in Molly Malone's, I think. Yeah. <laughs> 2011 we did exactly the same and I would like to see us at least kind of yeah. put in a decent shift, I'm sure we will, but put in a decent shift to the end of the season. Well, you uh, said about other teams winning. Cardiff beat West Ham 2-0, which was a bit of a pain. And then obviously Newcastle came back thanks to Jordan Pickford to win 3-2. Uh, Southampton beat Tottenham when Tottenham have collapsed a bit. Yeah. Um, who's going to keep their head above water and who's going to slip into that 18th spot on when it's too late because Cardiff keep picking up the odd result but just yeah. enough to doubt that it'll be there. I, I but they wonder, are in 18th at the moment yeah sorry Sal I, I just wonder whether or not Burnley mm. might just sort of tip over the edge because you've got I mean they're on a I'm not sure what Burnley's form is in terms of the last six but Southampton a bit up and down mm. they're picking up results here and there and they love old Hassan Hootel down there. Yeah. They absolutely love him. And he comes across as one of these kind of ebullient yeah. characters yeah. who kind of emotionally drags the players forward. Warnock, with all his faults, he's a little bit like that, yeah. isn't he? He's a real kind of chest-thumping <laughs> kind of guy. Whereas Sean Dyche seems to be the sort of straight down the middle. And, and I just wonder whether or not they'll get sucked into it. Difficult one to call. Yeah, I would... I'll be close to saying probably Cardiff still, but I think they give the others a real fright. Um, but I look at Southampton and Burnley, I think they've just got that little bit more quality that could be enough to to make sure they stay up. And I think Brighton Palace, Newcastle, I think they're all going to be absolutely fine. I think Cardiff's running is quite tricky as well. Yeah. I think we've got a lot of big teams left to play. Um, looking away from the league, we've obviously got quite a big opportunity this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Millwall away in the FA Cup quarterfinal. Who, who is this a priority for? Is it a bigger priority for Brighton or Millwall? Would you say to, like, bear in mind both teams are looking to stay in their respective yeah. di- divisions. Um, I think Millwall have lost four in a row, haven't they? They play Birmingham tonight, so that could easily be five in a row, and they could be in the relegation zone come Sunday. Um, I would say I think it's more of a priority for Brighton than Millwall. Mm. Just because you look at the opportunities you're going to get to get to an FA Cup semi-final, Millwall were there in 2013 the last time, um, and arguably now it will come around more often for Brighton than Millwall. But you know, Brighton got to the quarterfinals last year, and you get drawn away to Man United away. So this year you've got Millwall, and are you going to get a better chance to get to an FA Cup semi-final than Millwall in the last eight? I would say arguably no. And Millwall will be saying the exact same about Brighton. This is no disrespect to Millwall at all. They'll be looking at the Brighton fixture and be saying, wow, this is a real good opportunity for them as well. So Brighton have got to take it seriously. I think they've got to go with not like a couple of changes maybe, but as full, more full strength than what they have in other games because this opportunity might not come around again. 
next year you could get Man City away in the third round. Yeah. So I think Brighton have got to go for it and try yeah. and get to the semis. Well, we've, and then... we've got the international break afterwards. Yeah. So with that in mind, would you go with a strong team? Would you go full strength, rotate? I'd, I'd go... I'd, I'd go as near to full strength as he possibly can. I mean, he yeah. might he might rest one of the centre backs. I think. I mean, maybe. Yeah, but maybe he'll have a, a call a conversation with Southgate about what's going to happen with yeah. Lewis Dunk in the international and see whether or not that's worth um, making a change. Because we Dan Byrne has shown. I mean, he's certainly yeah. shown himself to be massively pumped up yeah. for the for the FA Cup, and it's a difficult one when you. When you rotate your squad in the early rounds, it's a real nightmare when you get to the later stages of a competition and the manager yeah, calls yeah. you and says, I'm really sorry, mate, you've done ever so well, but I'm going to bring back the, the yeah. big guy. So I think, I, I think, I mean, I don't know because I'm not in the dressing room, obviously, but I think we seem to have a very good kind of team spirit within, mm. within mm. the group. So I don't think that'll be necessarily as much of a problem. But by the same token, I think it would be unfair if he completely jettisons the players who contributed. I mean, Dan Burns had two yeah. really good games, yeah. hasn't he, in, in, in the Cup. So, But in terms of priorities, yeah, we, what an opportunity yeah. for us. Yeah. What an opportunity. Do you make any big changes? I wouldn't be surprised if like, Izquierdo, for example, got a yeah. start. Yeah. yeah, I think Izquierdo. I think he'll start. Um, I think the midfield three will pick itself purely because Basuma's suspended because of his two bookings in the FA Cup. Um, so I think you're looking at Stevens, proper Kyle in the middle, um, depending on what gross, mm. what gross's fitness is. But I don't think he'd start anyway. Chris Hughes not going to risk him for this game. He might maybe half hour if he's completely 100. Mm. Um, percent Then who do you start up front, Murray or or Lacardia, um, Assuming Andoni's not not available. Um, the other question mark I think is probably in goal. Um, do you bring Matty Ryan in mm. or do you play David Button because you know. Last year at United, Tim Fall played. So I think it wouldn't surprise me if Button starts. Um, and I would think it will be Burn plus one of Dunk or Duffy. Yeah. Um, I don't think Balogun will. I don't think yeah. he'll feature. It'd be a great opportunity for his kid, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> with all due respect to Millwall, they're no Liverpool in defence, no, are they? No. So having someone with that yeah. level of pace going at them and he'll say look you've got 45 minutes yeah give it all you've got yeah and then he can bring on knockout maybe yeah. in the second half so I, it's a fantastic opportunity for whoever plays yeah. to uh, to stake a claim because as we, we keep saying and and i think we're at the stage now where the club needs to think well the fans deserve mm. a, a full a, as near full strength team as we possibly can because a day out at Wembley. Yeah. That's great, do you, th- do you think the Palace result has changed how Hewton approaches this? So that we've won two and two on the bounce with a bit a little bit of a cushion compared to before. Do I think, think possibly a little bit, because I think if we'd come out of Huddersfield and Palace with one or two points, then the priority would still be looking ahead to the Premier League games and saying we still need ten points, twelve points to stay up. As it is now, it's you're probably looking at four, five, six will yeah. be enough. So I think it has changed it, especially with the games Brian have got coming up. I think they can feel confident enough with their home form that they will pick up mm. two two wins minimum from their remaining games. Um, so yeah, I think it, it has changed the outlook slightly. 
it would be, I'd say, even more so if the results hadn't gone the way they did yeah. Saturday yeah. afternoon with Cardiff winning. I think if Cardiff had lost and Brian were eight points clear of the bottom three right now, then yeah, you'd be saying, let's go all out for the FA Cup. But as it is, five points, yeah, it's still, you're still looking over your shoulder a little bit, but I think I think they've got to go for it. But I think also the fact that there's no game the following week. Yeah. yeah. I think if we had a, if we were playing Cardiff at home the following mm. week, for example, then I think there's no way we'd see a, no. an absolute yeah. 100% full strength team because no matter what us romantics think about the FA Cup, it, the priority is we've got to face it, yeah. Premier League survival. But the fact that we haven't got a game for two weeks, yeah. that Definitely. will will govern his yeah. his selections, I think. Cool. Uh, Mark Dunford, who's obviously not here today, he says, go full strength, you'll never have a better chance to get to a semis or even a final, which I think a lot of fans seem to be echoing yeah. that sentiment. Uh, we will be doing predictions on the FA Cup games uh, a bit later. I'll put them in the comments for you. Watford versus Palace, Swansea versus Man City, Wolves versus Man United and Millwall versus Brighton. Um, but we're going to turn our attention elsewhere. We've got the international break coming up. England squad is being announced about two o'clock today. Uh, it's a shame it's not now, so we could have breaking news. But do you think Lewis Dunk will retain his place in England squad? I think he's done enough in recent weeks that he hasn't done anything wrong, so to speak. He's he's in seems to be in decent form in the last few weeks. So um, it just depends. You know, there's a lot of quality centre backs at the moment. I think you know you look at Stones, Maguire, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be in the squad. He's probably competing against the likes of Keane and Tarkovsky. Um, it just depends if one of those, possibly mm. Keane, might be slightly ahead of him. Um, but I think Gomez is still out for Liverpool, isn't he? Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think he could be in it again, yeah. I, Do you think? I, I think he will regard himself as being very hard done by if he doesn't yeah. get a call up. I think his form may be dipped slightly mm. immediately after he played before, but in the last yeah. two or three games, he's been something back to yeah. what we know he can do. Um, I, I think he'll he'll call him up again. Yeah. I hope so, because he deserves it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hope so. I have a suspicion that he won't, just because of the amount of players mm. and others that were injured last time. I hope I'm wrong. I hope, yeah. Keane's I think, come back in. Yeah. He's yeah. playing well again, isn't he? Yeah, because I thought... Against Palace, especially Dunk was outstanding. Yeah. Um, recently, we've been talking about who we think is in the title race, isn't in the title race. Um, I somewhat foolishly suggested Tottenham might still be in the hunt. They, they've lost a few on the bounce now. Uh, Pochettino has said that they uh, were complacent and arrogant against Southampton. They are now, what, only... A, Three points ahead of uh, Man United in fifth place. Chelsea have got a game in hand against Brighton, obviously, mm-hmm. which would take them level with Arsenal in fourth. Are Tottenham in danger now going from a title race to Europa League? Massively. Yeah, they're in massive danger. Um, it's hard to pinpoint what's happened. It almost seems <laughs> like Harry Kane was out and they're picking up win after win after win. Harry Kane comes back, who's you know the, the best striker in the country, arguably. And their results are just falling away it it doesn't make an awful lot of sense what's gone on there whether i don't know whether they changed how they play when kane's playing whether they're too reliant on him and thinking oh sorry i've got kane up front he's going to get us a goal or two and we're going to win i don't, I don't know um but you know they were they needed loris to save the last minute penalty <laughs> against tottenham uh um, against arsenal yeah. sorry 
Um, which you know, if he hadn't done that, I, don't, I think they'd be out of the they'd be out of the top four already. They'd definitely be out of the top three. Arsenal would be third, wouldn't they? Yeah. So, yeah, it's their their season is in real danger of imploding at the moment, and you know they haven't got they're they're still in the Champions League, so I guess they can look at that 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 might they might need that to save their season if they have a bit of luck in the draw, um, because if they finish if they finish fifth or sixth, that would be a real disaster going into their new home permanently mm, yeah. next year. In the Europa League. Yeah, do you think they're in danger of slipping out? I, I do, yeah, massive danger. I listened to the radio when they were um, just before the Man United Liverpool game, they were talking on the radio that if Man United had beaten Liverpool that day and then mm. Tottenham then won all mm. their games, they'd have won the league. And ever <laughs> since those words were uttered, yeah. they've completely and utterly yeah. imploded. And we we all mocked them a few years ago for mm. finishing third in a two-horse race when Leicester won it. I mean, they're in danger of finishing fifth in a two-horse <laughs> race, yeah. aren't they, yeah. this season? And, and I don't know what, what it is. Maybe, is it lack of transfer activity? Because I, I think famously it's, didn't sign anyone yeah, in the summer. It's definitely a factor, I think, because whilst you might look at your first 11 and think, well, I'm not really going to get mm. better than that without spending hundreds of millions of pounds, but you've got to have that competition... Yeah. For, for places, I mean, you look at us, I mean, I think one of the reasons why Glenn Murray has done so well this year is that he has known that Andoni's been yeah. in the background, the wide players, we've had Johanna Batch mm-hmm. in the background, I know he's been injured for a little while, but we've had these players in the background and then there's a bit more competition yeah. in the middle of the back four for us. And going back to Tottenham, I also think that maybe the mentality of the teams they play, when Kane's not in the side, I'm not saying that teams relax, mm. but they think, well, we haven't quite got to sort of look after the front runners yeah. as much as we do when Kane plays. So when, and that enables Son to come in and, yeah. and work his magic in the last minute that he did in sort of three or yeah. four games in a row. But when Harry Kane's in, the tactical setup of the opposition is always going to be to yeah. stop the most potent striker yeah. in the country. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's a weird one, but it'd be catastrophic for them oh. going into their new ground, yeah. I think. So just to be clear, Steve's answer for Tottenham is to get rid of Harry Kane. Is that what you're well, saying? Well, they might. Their, their results seem to be better without him. That, that's what I'll say. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it also leaves Pochettino in a bit of a position in the summer, doesn't it? I think, you know, before Zidane went to Real, you're thinking, <laughs> will he go there? He was heavily linked with United. And I think it would be a surprise now if Solskjaer didn't get the United mm. job. So it leaves Pochettino in a bit of a, not, not a hole, but <laughs> it leaves him probably still at Spurs and if they don't spend anything again this summer what I don't get what what, what they're trying to do there because yeah. you saw Arsenal when they moved into the Emirates and they didn't really spend much money for a good few years and is that going to be the same case for Spurs now or are they going to say right we're moving into a new stadium we're going to throw money at it and we're going to really compete for the title next year yeah well one team that won't be making any transfers is Chelsea they've got their transfer ban mm. coming up they've not been able to de- mm. delay it through appeal um, and you said about Zidane if paper talk is to be believed, some of the conditions of him taking the job were that they would go after Hazard, possibly N'Golo Kante as well. Is Chelsea going to be hitting a bit of a transition phase? Is it essential that they get the top four money this season when I think transfer ban coming up, and potentially their big players leaving? Yeah, you look at it, it looks like Hazard is definitely going to go. Yeah. But you look at this is probably where, yeah, I think it will be a tra- little bit of a transitional maybe season. 
Um, but you look at Hudson-Odoi, who looks real quality looks from what I've seen of him. Um, I think they would be absolutely crazy if they were to sell him. Um, and Loftus-Cheek as well. Whenever I've seen him play, I've been impressed, but yeah. he doesn't really get much of a yeah. chance there. It might be the time where they've had so many players out on loan in the last, what? Mason Mount at Derby as well. We've got, yeah. uh, is it Reese James at, at Swansea, is it? I yeah. can't remember where he's playing. So we right back. Yeah, they've got some real quality young yeah. players, and it might be a case of, you know, we've got, they've got to give them a chance at some point yeah. because what's the point in having a squad of 60, 70 players mm. sending them out on loan all the time and then not giving them their chance? You look at Hudson Adoy now, who's, I think he's been, almost like the, the impression you get from the papers is he's been frustrated not to have had more opportunities. Mm. And when he has played, he's looked, he's looked decent, he's hasn't he? He's quality, yeah. Yeah, so I think, yeah, they've missed Hazard massively. But if they've got someone like Hudson Odoi coming in, who you could start yeah. in 20, 25 Premier League games next year, then in five, five, six, seven years' time, there's no reason why he can't be as good as what Hazard is now. But they've got to give him the opportunity. Otherwise, yeah. he will end up going to Bayern or, or whoever else in Germany, which is yeah. sounds like what he wants to do. So could it be a blessing in disguise then if they, if they need to start bringing in these, these youngsters because they can't replace big money players with big money players? I think if you're the person in charge of their accounting, then probably not. But in terms of the players, and, and I'm sure the fans, mm-hmm. I mean, my um, my daughter's fiancé is a massive Chelsea fan, and, and he hates, well, first of all, he hates the fact that N'Golo Kante keeps getting played out of position, mm-hmm. but he hates the fact that Chelsea have got these recognised, amazing young players within the umbrella of the club mm-hmm. who don't get a chance. So... Um, it would be great if if they did, yeah. but it's all about that top four, isn't it? It's well, yeah, bonkers. Uh, just dipping into the championship, we do this occasionally <laughs> when something particularly no- notable mm-hmm. happens. No more spy gates this time. This time, a fan ran on the pitch at the second City derby and punched Jack Grealish in in the head from behind. Um, have you seen anything like that in football any time recently at all? <laughs> The only one that springs to mind for me is when Chris Kirkland was pushed over mm-hmm. by the um, the fan when he was playing at Sheffield Wednesday, wasn't mm-hmm. it? And I mean, it was pretty. Mm. I, I I think might sound a bit controversial, but I think some of the media treatment of this has been a little bit hysterical. <laughs> Not in terms of the seriousness of the offence, because it yeah. was absolutely horrendous, but some of the proposals in terms of how we deal with it in the future, you know, put fences yeah. up and, and armed stewards uh, and armed police. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You know, stewards with tasers and all <laughs> kinds of stuff. I mean it's, some of that I think has yeah. been ludicrous, but I think a fourteen week prison sentence <laughs> is probably not really much of a, a deterrent for something like that. Um I mean, it, I would imagine if someone kicked off in West Street like that and ran up yeah. behind someone in, mm. in front of a policeman and punched someone to the ground outside Weatherspoons, the punishment might be a bit a little, stronger. A yeah. bit stronger. Yeah. So maybe there's an issue over the sentencing, but yeah, it was it was horrendous. And the other thing I think to look at in terms of that incident is Jack Grealish, because he he maybe had a bit of a reputation for being a bit of a hothead yeah. and a bit volatile but I thought he was superb in the way yeah. he dealt with it he just you know he went down and sort of stayed yeah. there and I know he was quickly surrounded by other players but he yeah. he, he coped with it 
with yeah. there's, great... there's a great picture actually there's the melee going off on one side and he's just sat on the floor with a big goofy smile on yeah. his face at just the surrealness of it yeah and obviously i mean i can't blame him for <laughs> leaping into the crowd when he scored either no. to be honest no and... i mean another steward pushed him and got yeah, taken yeah. away by police would you punish the club at all like because obviously it's a tricky one because yeah, it's it's really tough because this fan was already banned wasn't he he's mm. already got a ban from uh, the stadium and you know for whatever reason the security checks i mean you know you see all these old fans have got life bans blah blah all the time don't you yeah but but you don't see pictures up in the concourse yeah, yeah. Is, and you know this guy's put a cap on and he's still got into the stadium and he said he ran onto the pictures a bit of a laugh didn't he it's like yeah, you see, he was just going to like wind up the, the fans yeah, to jeer him up um, a bit. It's, you know, it, it, was, it was a stupid thing to do. Um, should the club be punished? I don't know. They, they're going to get a fine. I saw Gary Neville saying, I think it was, that they should get a 10 point points deduction <laughs> or something. And it's like, but. That's what it, I mean about the yeah, slightly hysterical yeah. overreaction of some people. It's a bit it's, quick, at the end of the day, it's, it's one, one fan out of, what, 30,000 who's. Yeah. Um, it, I think a points deduction would would be harsh. I think if it happened again at Birmingham, it, like this season or next season, then I think yeah, like there's something obviously wrong there. But yeah, at, at the moment I think a fine would be sufficient, and as long as the ban for the supporter is a ban and not mm. you put a hat on and you go <laughs> in another part of the stand, the ground, and you still get in, um, then yeah, I think I think they've done all they can at the moment i think i think the club will get punished because i think the rules dictate that they will mm. be punished um i think you know playing a game behind closed doors the next four games right that's a bit excessive yeah. but there's not a lot you can do i don't think to stop no. if someone's sitting in the front row you think think of what it's like at the annex yeah you've only got to be sitting in between the steward you could you're on the pitch in two seconds yeah, yeah. The other thing is, it depends if they want to make an example out of a club, don't they? To make sure it doesn't happen again. And this is the best example you're going to be able yeah. to have. So it might be a case of two games two games behind closed doors, just to say anyone else it happens again, you're going to have five games. Um, but I don't know, it'll be in really interesting to see what punishment they do get. Mm. If it's just a fine, is that enough to stop it happening again? I don't know. Because... Exactly, and, and how are you going to be able to put enough manpower yeah. in place to stop people getting into a ground who've been banned? Yeah. And you can't have people no, looking exactly. up and yeah. comparing well, it. You just, you just can't do that no. because of the sheer numbers of people. Who look, look how it's like getting into the ambulance yeah. when people are checking for bottle tops and flasks and stuff. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah. yeah. Just Difficult. give Jack Grealish one free punch on the fan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just right. don't tell him when. Yeah. Just, he'll, see, he'll just see Grealish yeah. down the road following yeah. him. Grealish so in a dead leg or a... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just stuff. don't tell him when. Grealish will yeah. just follow him. Like, ooh, ooh. Um, right, we will get serious again. Um, FA Cup predictions. We will follow the TV scheduling for this. So we will start with Crystal Palace's trip to Watford. Potentially one of the trickier ones to call. Mm. Uh, um, Steve, where would you call this? I, you, you can see it going either way, can't you? Um, I think it'll be tight. I'm going to go 2-1 Watford. Mm. I, I was going to go 2-0 Watford for the simple reason that when you saw the side they put out last week, 
it's clear what their priorities mm. are for this season. I mean, they were blatantly going all out for the FA Cup, so I think they'll be at full strength, yeah. raring to go. Interesting to see what Hodgson does with, with his team, but um, no, I think Watford 2 0. But you said that, that just quickly Watford made so many changes and then got criticised for not taking Premier League seriously. When managers, get, get managers can never yeah. win in that kind <laughs> no. of situation because we all we all say how wonderful it is to have these big squads, but then when the managers <laughs> use them, they get slaughtered for not yeah. playing the full. It, it's it's an impossible yeah. argument, I think, for managers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mark Dunford says uh, 2-1 to Watford. Rick Gonzalez has appeared, our old friend. He also says 2-1. It's a popular score because that's the sort of score I was going for. <laughs> I just desperately hope it's not Palace that gets through because. I fear the worst if we play after taking six points off, off them. If we then play them at Wembley, that it would just be typical Brighton to yeah. then lose that one. And I can't imagine being in that pub opposite <laughs> Baker Street Station either if oh. we were playing this. Uh, next up, our uh, Swansea play host to Manchester City, who obviously put seven past Schalke last night. International break coming up, so they don't necessarily need to rotate. What's the cricket score going to be? Uh. I'm going to say 3-0 to City. Um, I think they'll make a few changes, but they're going to have far too much for Swansea, you'd think. Unless, you know, Wigan knocked City out. Was that last year? It was last year, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. But, yeah, I can't see City slipping up again. Yeah, I think it would be comfortable. Yeah, I'm going 4-0 City. I, I just think they're building up this kind of juggernaut mm. of momentum now towards the end of the season as people start talking about the, the quadruple... They've got some, I mean, obviously all their players will disappear left, right, and north, south, east, and west. But they've got two weeks without a Premier League game. You cannot look beyond yeah. City for this. 4-0. 4-0. Uh, Rick Gonzalez says 5-1. I think it's going to be a bit of a tonking. Uh, Mark Dunford says 4-1 to City. I'm going to be optimistic for Swansea and say 3-0 to City. I think we're just going to make it really tough, sit in really deep. And just so try and contain them for as long as possible. Next up, Wolves versus Manchester United. Ian, do you want to start with this one? Yeah, I think this is a this is a difficult one to call mm. because um, Solskjaer is going to need to start kind of shepherding his resources a little bit, but he will want to get back to winning ways. And mm. and Wolves were unlucky mm. to a large mm. degree at Chelsea the other day, so. I think this is arguably the most difficult one to call because of what Wolves have done so far yeah. this season. Um, so I'm going one all, but United to go through on penalties. Steve? I fancy Wolves for this one. Um, I think just the way they've been playing, they've, they're not in any danger of going down from the Premier League. They, they can go all out with their full strength side. And you look at United's fixtures left play, they're in the court finals of the Champions League. Um, they do they want fixed congestion? I know Solskjaer would love to win it, yeah. but I think Wolves 2-1. 2-1. am going 2-0. I think it'll also go the same as Ian. I think United will have just enough on penalties. Uh, Mark Dunford says 2-0. He's not specified who he thinks will win that because um, there's no replays, obviously. Uh, and then the biggest game of the weekend, mm-hmm. Millwall versus Brighton. Where do you see that one going, Steve? Uh, I... I think Brighton. I think it'll be tight. I think it'll be a you know real intimidating atmosphere there. But I'm going to go for Brighton to edge it two one. Two one. Ian. Yeah, I was going to go two one with Albion two 0 up with ten minutes to go. <laughs> yeah. We'll then concede and everyone will be in Panicking. pieces. 
for the last ten yeah. minutes of the game, but we will we'll just get over the line, I think. I've I've got a similar picture in my head because I was also going to one with yeah. pretty much the same detail <laughs> down to ten minutes from the end, just a bombardment that Shane Duffy just heads away with yeah. big face. And then after that, it's kind of, if we do get through, it's then anyone that's sitting. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Mike Dunford has clarified he meant Man U to go through on the draw and uh, Rick Gonzalez is 2-1 to Wolves. Um, and then for the Millwall game, Mark says 1-0 to Brighton. So narrow, narrow win there. Um, that pretty much wraps everything up for this week. Um, obviously, we've got the Seagulls Weekly pullout in the way we held, as always, with player ratings columns. Quite a good one this week, because quite a big win. Um, and then we've got all the build-up to the FA Cup course final coming up, and all the fallout afterwards on the brighthoveindependent.co.uk. And obviously, you can follow at Brighton Indy on Twitter for live updates. Um, but until next week, thank you for coming all the way no, over. No, yeah. Pleasure. Been a pleasure, Steve. Thank you. Thank you very much. And yeah, we will see you next week. Goodbye.